Just a heads up, this episode contains mentions of family planning and reproduction. There was a point in Kim Kirstenmont's life when it felt like she was falling in a downward spiral. Kim had just left a four-year-long relationship with a person she once thought she would marry. She'd made the difficult decision to leave the home they shared together. She left her job and fell into a deep depression. And she was living like a nomad, trying to figure out where she belonged. It was the worst experience of my life, if I could be honest. I wouldn't wish it upon anyone because I, I really lost my bearings and I was going downhill. But even in the worst of it, one thing remained clear. It was never really a question for me that I would have kids. I've always had a real love for kids and I just enjoy the world of childhood. I love the way you can get lost and play together. I love their fascination with pretty much anything. I think I feel more alive when I'm around kids. Everything is more vibrant when I'm around kids. Kim loves being around kids so much, she's even made it her profession. She's a child psychologist. So when she found herself in her mid-30s without a partner, at a time when many of her friends were having children, it was really dark. Like every time I had to hear about a child being born, I just couldn't deal with it. I couldn't hear news like that. I had to withdraw and I just didn't know what else to do because the feelings were so intense and they would really throw me into a deeper, darker place. I didn't want to react that way, right? And yet still, that's what was happening. Kim decided to move back to Toronto, the city where she grew up. She got treatment for her depression, and she tried to date, but nothing stuck. She started to think that kids just might not be in the cards for her. Sometimes, Kim stayed up late at night chatting with her best friend, Sarah, who has three children. In their talks, Sarah kept gently bringing up the idea of single parenthood. She said to Kim, you know, you don't necessarily need a traditional partner to become a parent. There is another option. It wasn't that I thought it was a bad idea, but I didn't think that I was in a place to do that. You know, I thought my life is in shambles right now, and I don't know that I can handle that. It felt just like too risky. But then Kim watched another friend have kids on her own. And she thought, huh, maybe this is possible. I really respected what she was doing, and I was really excited for her. Kim didn't tell anyone she was considering it, until one night when she was out dancing with a group of girlfriends. Afterwards, as they were grabbing a bite in a restaurant, one of her friends confided that she was getting a divorce. Kim thought her friend was brave for telling everyone. And it just kind of stirred something in me. And then after we spoke about that for a while, I I said, you know, I have something to say too. And I just said that I'm making the decision to be a parent on my own. And I'm telling you this tonight and I'm going to pursue it. How did it feel to say it out loud? Mm, It felt good. It felt frightening, you know, because the doubts were still there. But at the same time, there's this sense of excitement. And it felt like something I was needing too. And so when I blurted it out, it was like, a new chapter is here. That announcement surprised her almost as much as it did her friends. But what she didn't know then was how this decision would lead to even bigger surprises. Surprises that would turn strangers into family and reframe where she called home. 
This is Homemade, an original podcast by Rocket Mortgage about the meaning of homes and what we can learn about ourselves in them. I'm Stephanie Fu. In this episode, the family you choose. Hello, listeners of Homemade. Find out how you could get up to $2,000 off home buying costs from Rocket Mortgage. Hear more at the end of the episode. Once Kim made the decision to become a single parent, she knew she was embarking on a difficult path that could be long, expensive, and didn't have any guarantee of success. As Kim weighed the pros and cons of becoming a single mother by choice, one worry was, who would help? I spent a lot of nights, like, Googling single mothers in Toronto and best place for single mothers to live and (laughs) all sorts of things. What were you finding? Not much. Kim's first big challenge was finding a donor. From the get-go, Kim knew she didn't want anonymous sperm. She wasn't looking for a co-parent, but she wanted a donor who would believe in what she was doing. Whether or not it's totally rational, I had this recurring thought that I didn't want to be the only person that wanted the baby in the world. Mm. And for me, having somebody else hear my reasons and my story and say, it's a good idea. You know, let's have this baby come into the world. Like, that was really important to me. So Kim began the search for a donor. A friend volunteered, and she was hopeful. But it got complicated. At a certain point, she realized if she wanted to preserve the friendship, they had to stop working on the pregnancy together. Next, she found a donor online. She tried with his sperm a number of times, but didn't conceive. In the end, the donor turned out to be infertile. Months went by. The whole time, Kim monitored her ovulation cycles, took off work to go to the fertility clinic for blood work and uterus and egg quality assessments. It quickly becomes just like this endless stream of appointments that become kind of a blur. After a year without any progress, Kim felt kind of deflated. But one day, a friend came to her with a proposition, matchmaker style. She said, I have someone. I mentioned it to him, and he said he'd like to meet you. And right now, just saying that, I get, like, tingles. So I was in college one day, and a friend of mine approached me and asked me, like, do you want to be a donor? That's Guy Figueiredo. He's from Brazil but is in Toronto studying hospitality. Before hearing about Kim, he'd never even thought about being a sperm donor. And I was like, oh, why not? Like, I'm willing to help someone. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So he and Kim arranged a meeting in a coffee shop downtown. A kind of preconception meet-cute. I remember walking in there and seeing him, and he was just looked like a, like a good guy. He had a good vibe about him. He was really polite and respectful, like, right off the bat. We connect right away. We vibe right away. And we just uh, sat down together in in the coffee shop, and it was a very smooth conversation. They bonded over the fact that Kim played Brazilian music and loves Brazilian culture. Felt like we were friends for so long. Kim loved that Guy was gentle and a good listener. Yeah, he was easy to talk to. After that, I was so happy to help her in her dream to be a mom. And I felt that 
should be a great mom. In that very first chat, Kim laid out some ground rules. His role would be to be the donor, but I would be the only parent. He would be relinquishing his right to paternity, and I would then relinquish my right to ask him for child support or anything considered to be legally binding, you know, just to be clear about our expectations and the process. That's kind of what I laid out. He was good with that and excited about the idea of bringing a child into the world, the exact kind of donor Kim had hoped for. Before you met Kim, did you ever want to be a parent? Is that something that was on your mind? As a gay man, especially in Brazil, I never thought about that. We don't see many gay couples in Brazil having kids. I think it was important for me to see a new family format. Kim sent Guy an 11-page legal agreement, and he signed. Then they began trying. Yeah, at first we try, uh, they call Turkey something. Turkey I don't. Basters, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and didn't work. <laughs> didn't work. They tried for a year. Kim would get her hopes up, and then they would fall. But through it all, Guy was an optimist. They weren't friends, exactly, but Guy became her cheerleader. He had this positivity that he would always voice to me. And I remember I would always say, like, well, I'm glad you're feeling that way. <laughs> he would be like, yes, it's going to work out, Kim. I've got no, no doubts. And he has always been like that. After two years of trying to get pregnant, Kim decided to do IVF. She and Guy went to what felt like a million medical appointments, filled out reams of paperwork. They were even required to attend therapy together. The pandemic then delayed the procedure by months and months. But finally... A big moment was uh, when I first got the positive pregnancy test. She called Guy and shared the news. Kim tried to be chill, tempering her expectations, knowing that nothing was guaranteed. Guy suggested they meet up again to chat. I want to give her a little gift and support her for being a single mom and want to have a baby and following her dreams. Yeah, that was important to me. When I got to the coffee shop, he was there and he had a little present for me. And uh, what was it? It was a pair of baby booties, oh like God. white baby booties. I love that. That's so cute. Yeah, it was really unexpected and very sweet. How did you meet Guy? So, oh my God. Okay, unedited. Um. <laughs> Jeremy Vandermeer is Guy's partner. We're at a queer dance party that my friend was the DJ of, and Guy walked in, and I was like, whoa, who's that guy? And I was in this party. He's really tall, so yeah. <laughs> I look at him, and he asked me for a cigarette, and I thought, oh, okay, that's cute. That night, they kissed. And then, Guy ghosted Jeremy for a month. He says he was busy, but Jeremy pursued and they started dating. It got serious quickly. They moved in together and committed to building a life. So when did he first tell you about what he and Kim were doing? 
Yeah, so it was pretty far into our relationship. Guy is a very careful and quiet person in terms of sharing himself. It was just like, oh, I might be having a baby with someone. And I was, oh, okay, hi, (laughs) that's great. What is this? What's going on? Tell me more about this. He told me and I was pretty shocked, but I was super excited. I think he got more excited than me. (laughs) Probably more excited than I should be given the kind of more transactional nature of their exchange. Unlike Guy, Jeremy had actually thought a lot about having children. He comes from a close-knit family, and he loves the cheerful chaos that kids bring to a house. Children remind me of that part of myself that's free and present and is just living without judgment. They're just experiencing life as it is, and I think that's beautiful. When Kim got pregnant, she lived in a rental house that wasn't in great condition. One day, she woke up and noticed a crack in the ceiling right above her bed. She called her landlady and asked her to repair it. In that conversation, she mentioned she was pregnant in the hopes that it might inspire a sense of urgency about the repair. But her response was aggression. (laughs) She just went into kind of a bit of a rage and said that there were too many people in the house and one more person couldn't live there, and she was going to consult her lawyer about having me evicted. Oh, God. I knew that there was no basis to be evicted, but it shook me up, Uh, you know, to have somebody be so awful. It was always a difficult living situation because of the landlady, and I always knew that eventually I would have to leave. What kept Kim in that crappy apartment, and we've all been there, was that it was affordable. But since she was about to be a mom, she knew that eventually she'd have to find a better place to raise her kid. Where she'd move to and how she'd pay for it, those were questions she couldn't answer for now. On February 19th, 2021, Kim's son, Ollie, was born. I couldn't get over just like how how perfect he looked. I, I don't even like that word, but everything about him just looked like so beautifully crafted, and it felt like the world stopped for a moment. Kim texted Guy that she delivered her son. He immediately wanted to see that baby, but he wanted to give her some space to get settled, let her get used to being a mom. So he and Jeremy waited a full two weeks. I didn't know what I, I would feel when I first met that newborn, that baby. It's scary, but it was a great moment. I was super emotional. I cry at the drop of a dime, so I was probably crying (laughs) and saying I love you to my partner a lot. And he was probably just like looking at me. (laughs) (laughs) I just felt so happy that he and I and Kim and Ollie were kind of together in that moment. Ollie was born during the pandemic, before most people had been vaccinated. It was a difficult time for everyone, especially a new parent like Kim. People were isolating and staying away at exactly the time she needed support the most. And eventually, Kim had to go back to work. She started asking friends if they could pitch in with childcare. Some agreed to help, but it wasn't enough to cover all the time she needed backup. Kim and Guy had signed a contract establishing clear boundaries around Guy's role in Ollie's life, but they'd been keeping in touch, and it felt like Maybe it would be okay to ask Guy and Jeremy if they could help a little bit. It felt frightening and 
I was, I was nervous about it. I, I just didn't want them to um, feel pressured or uneasy. When she asked, what was the first thing that went through your head? I was like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, someone let a dog that's really excited to see a child off a leash, you know? <laughs> I was like, yes, 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 yes. Kim started bringing Ollie over to Guy and Jeremy's place on Fridays. They worked from home and traded off taking care of the baby. They loved it. And we're exhausted by the end of it. And we're like, we don't know how she does it. Kim never complains about how hard it is to raise a child, like, as an individual. But it's not easy. It's scary to take care of a child, of course. I had zero experience. I never had, like, change a diaper in my life. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn all this process. But that worked great. So you were kind of a natural. I think it was natural, yeah. <laughs> I still ask Jeremy to change the diaper. I don't do that, but... Do you feel like a parent? No, I don't feel like a parent. I don't make decisions about his life. Do you ever feel like you want to? I think I like the way it is. I get, like, the best part. He comes and we play, and I'm more like... The cool uncle that make him laugh hard. Yeah, it's great the way it is. Guy and Jeremy were definitely not Ollie's dads. But there was no denying that a special relationship was evolving. Yeah. And even now when I look at him, like, and I can see my face, like, mm -hmm. it's, oh, that's me when I was a baby. Like, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's scary. Scary? Yeah. Yesterday we met and he was walking towards me and oh my gosh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> he has like the same, he feels like the same or the way he sleeps, he's the same. Kim felt she had to have a conversation with the men about how to label this relationship. Kim liked the idea of using a word in Portuguese, chichio. It means uncle. And so I asked Gui, what do you think about being chichio Gui? And... <laughs> and he said he liked that. So now Ollie knows Gi and Jeremy is Chichio Gi and Chichio Mimi. He can't say Jeremy, so he says Mimi. <laughs> One day, Jeremy started to use a word of his own. It was an accident. He just referred to their unit as a family. The first time he said that, I, I look at Kim and she was fine. And I, okay, <laughs> I, I guess we are family. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know that he realized he said that, but I felt really honored and excited that that's how he was seeing us. I think that I'm still getting used to that idea that we actually are a family. <laughs> Guy and Jeremy had been feeling for a while like they were a family with Kim and Ollie, but they didn't want to overstep their bounds. And when Kim said it, I was like crying, you know, because I was so happy to hear her say the same thing that I had been feeling, that we're this new little family. This past Christmas, Jeremy and Guy invited Kim over to their home for a little party. The conversation gravitated towards housing. Kim mentioned that she'd been looking for a house. She was still in that stressful apartment with the crack over her bed and the awful landlady. But financially, she couldn't swing a purchase as a single mom. 
I remember us like all shaking our heads at just how impossible it is to try to, to own something. I remember everyone just being like, we're all screwed. Somebody at the party floated an idea. Why don't we all buy a place together? And like how we could pool our money and what it could look like. Kim took it as a joke. Bit of wishful thinking nobody really took seriously. There was like a, a very casual kind of feel about it, you know? But after she left, the idea persisted in her head. Buying a house with someone you're not related to is a thing. Total strangers will buy houses together to live in. It's called co-buying. Now Kim was thinking, maybe this could work. Maybe Guy and Jeremy would actually consider this. A few days later, I called them and I was like, were you guys at all serious when we were talking about possibly buying a home together? And then we were like, yes. <laughs> Jeremy was all in. As for Guy, he needed to take a moment. So Jeremy is all about passion. I am about money. So I <laughs> felt sick of my stomach for a month. <sighs> Literally sick. Sick about whether he could afford it. But then again, he loved the idea of sharing a home with Ollie and Kim. It's the best part. <laughs> to be close to him and take care of him. So soon enough, he got on board. It didn't take long for the house search to begin. It didn't take long for differences to bubble up, too. Guy and Jeremy wanted to be near the subway. Kim wanted to be near the park, where she could walk with Ollie. They signed up with a co-buying agency to help them think it through. They decided to look for a house with two separate units. It would give them privacy when they needed it. But that narrowed the options. It's hard to find a home that's like split very evenly if you're going to be living in two spaces. And throughout the search, they talked about how they would manage co-living together. This was a big step for this little chosen family. And they knew it wouldn't all be wine and roses. Of course. People are going to get annoyed. I'm going to get annoyed. Kim is going to get annoyed. But they trusted in each other to be able to work out the kinks. We are very good at speaking out our needs and saying what we want and mm. what we don't want. If there is a conflict or something unanticipated happens, I feel confident that we will be able to work through it respectfully. Sometimes you feel like you can take the risk. But I think we built trust over the past two years. Trust in, in a very unique and intimate situation where a baby is involved. It's a special kind of trust. And then this spring, they found it. It had two separate apartments. One had the basement and the ground floor with access to the backyard. The other unit took over the upper two floors and had a rooftop deck. The upper apartment was a little nicer, but Kim preferred the downstairs. Fewer stairs to manage with the toddler in tow. What sealed the deal for Kim is when Guy and Jeremy told her that should she ever need or want to, they'd be happy to switch units in the future. That small gesture confirmed what she felt about this decision they'd made together. It's that spirit of looking out for each other and making sure that everyone feels comfortable and being willing to make sacrifices. Ooh, it looks so nice. Look at this, it looks like a real place now. I know. Uh, oh. We're a little tired from listening, but it's almost done. Is there really a home here now? Yeah. In the summer of 2023, Kim, Guy, and Jeremy, along with little Ollie, 
moved into their new home. He and Jeremy are the jackpot for me. I can't imagine doing this with anybody else. It just feels like such a partnership. We're so in sync. On Sundays, we can have lunch together in a, like a huge table in the backyard. We know more gay and lesbian couples who have kids as well. So I'd love to have everybody together. And while having separate living units was important to everyone, no one is interested in living separate lives. If Kim wanted to go for dinner while Ollie was sleeping, yeah. We could have the baby monitor, leave the doors open, and run down if he needed care. I'm really excited for the Venn diagram of our lives to have more overlap. You don't mind it, the sort of like the noise and the hustle and the bustle. I love the commotion of having a family around me. And it doesn't have to look like, you know, the traditional family, obviously. What is he? Do you see him? This October, Kim is expecting her second child. Guy is once again the donor. Kim said that when she started on this journey of becoming a parent a few years ago, she never dreamed she would build this kind of family. So if I were to ask you 10 years ago what home meant to you, what would you have said? I didn't allow myself to to dream of anything like this. I think I probably would say love, like a nest, like to have a safe, loving place. What is Where is she? Do you think that you've gotten that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Who left? I don't know. Where did you find me? You've been listening to Home Made by Rocket Mortgage. This episode was written by Sarah Kate Kramer. My name is Stephanie Fu. You can reach us at rocketmortgage.com slash homemade or find a link in the show notes to this episode. Great news. As a homemade listener, you're eligible to score an exclusive $2,000 credit towards buying a home. Use it to lower your interest rate or put towards closing costs. Don't miss this chance to save on a new home. Visit rocketmortgage.com homemade to apply today. Client will receive a lender credit of $2,000. This offer is only available to clients who call the dedicated phone number or go through the dedicated website, apply, and close their loan through the dedicated program on or after June 12, 2023. Call 866-374-7050 for cost information. Conditions and restrictions apply. This is not a commitment to lend. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030.